John Carter has a heart for the people of Russia and Ukraine. He's been there 49 times. He's walked their streets, lived in their homes, eaten at their tables, and laughed and wept with them. He knows their hopes and their fears. He now tells us what he believes we need to do during this time of great crisis. Welcome to John Carter's Russia and Ukraine. What is your reaction to the tragedy unfolding in Ukraine? I'd have to say that I'm almost, almost overwhelmed with sorrow. I know these people, I think, very well indeed. Beverly and I, with our team and our family, have been to these places so many times. We've been there, I believe, 49 times. I believe that I understand the soul of these people. I think of the babushkas, the old grandmothers. The old grandmother who used to serve me borscht at our church in Kiev. The young woman who, who sang for me, the choir that sang. And now the place is being torn to pieces with bombs and rockets. Our prayer today is that God in his infinite mercy and grace will bring deliverance and use us to pour the balm of Gilead into these open wounds. How much are you involved in politics? Do you have confidence in the politicians to save our world? Well, of course, politics is a part of the world we live in. We can't completely divorce ourselves from politics. But salvation and hope, all of these wonderful things come not from politics. The hope of the world is Jesus Christ our Lord. Here in the United States of America, we seem to have very, very short memories. I'm tempted to ask the question, when are we ever going to learn? Have we forgotten the words of Jesus when he said, my kingdom is not of this world? I believe that we need to have a tremendous crusade, praying for the people of Ukraine, praying for all the people in that part of the world, including the Russians. I believe that Jesus Christ is still Lord of all, my friends. Uh, of course, yes, I've, I've got to say, yes, I, I believe there are good politicians. I know this. 
But I want to say this to you. Politics often, often seems to mess things up. I want to say this today loud and clear. God loves people. He doesn't just love the Americans and the Australians and the English. God loves the Russians. He loves the Ukrainians. He loves the people in the Middle East. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What counsel would you give to someone who lives in a country that may not agree with our values? What counsel would I give to somebody who lives in a, in a country whose leaders do not share our values? I'm going to read you one of the most controversial, most, what should I say, not read texts in all the Bible. I'm going to turn, I'm going to read at least Romans 13 and verse 1 and onwards. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. But he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Now, it's a rather shocking truth to discover that when Paul said these words, Nero was on the throne of the Roman Empire. And Nero, pardon my saying it, Nero was an insufferable monster and a beast. But Paul said, you've got to be subject to the governing powers. Of course, those governing powers tell you to violate the law of God then this gives a different perspective. But I believe, my friend, wherever we are, we ought to be loyal citizens of that country. Uh, we're told in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. It's outrageous. Honor the king. The king in those days was that monster Nero. Honor Nero. Why? Because he is standing in a place of God's appointment. We're told to pray for presidents and kings and for leaders. I may not agree with President Joseph Biden every time he gets up to speak and every policy he tries to institute but I believe it is my duty as a Christian to pray for the President of the United States of America. And if you disagree with me, my friend, you have that privilege, but pardon my telling you this, 
I'm telling you just what the Bible says. The Bible says, pray for the emperor and pray for the king. Therefore, wherever we live, whether it's here or some other country that is opposed to our values, I believe that we should be loyal citizens of that country. That takes a bit of doing, but we're, we're told to be loyal citizens of the country in which we live. During the time of the Soviet Union, many of us demonized the Russian people. When you went to Russia during the time when the Soviet Union was collapsing, how did you find the Russian people? Let me make it as plain as this old pilgrim can make it. I believe the Soviet Union system was intrinsically bad and evil. I've been to that part of the world 49 times. I know about the gulags, the, the death camps, the torture chambers. I know about these things. But when I went to Russia in relatively recent times, in the year 1991, with my wife Beverly and with Dr. and Mrs. Owens, Russell Owens, Russell and Paula from the great state of Texas, we met the Russian people. And the Russian people were just like you. They were like me. We got, to, we got to feel the soul and the heart of the Russian people. I can remember we left Moscow one day and we drove out in the country to, towards a place by the name of Zyorsky, where we had a church in a seminary. And we stopped at this little Russian village we were standing outside this little beautiful Russian house and an elderly lady came out. She seemed to be elderly. She was probably no older than I was on that occasion. But the Russians are, have been a, a beaten up people. They went through the hell of the 70 years when communism ruled in Russia. It was a time of hell. This lady came out and... Uh, through our translators, she said to us, where do you come from? We said, we've come from America. She said, Americans, welcome, welcome. Then she said, through the translator, stay there. She went around the back, back of the house, and after about five minutes, she came back carrying two dozen eggs. She gave us the eggs. She said, I... We said, no, you need to keep these eggs. You, you need them. You need them more than we do. She said, I want to give them to you. I want you to know that we love you. The egg lady, my friend, represented millions and millions of Russians. We had been taught, I had been taught that these people were our enemies. But when I got to meet them, I discovered that the ordinary people were like the ordinary 
Americans like the ordinary Australians, very decent, very nice people. I want you to know this. God loves the American people. He loves the Australian people. He loves the French people. He loves the German people. He loves the Russian people. He loves the Chinese people. Because that's what God is like. God loves people. He loves you. What are your memories of the people who came to your meetings? 30 years ago, I was asked to preach in a little Adventist church. I think I was the first foreigner who'd ever preached in that church. And these people had been through the hell of the 70 years of communism. When I stood up to preach, I had never, never, never felt so much love. I, you can't describe this. I was immersed in a sea of love. Dr. Graham Bradford was sitting behind me. He broke down. He was, he was weeping. Then after the church service, they came to us. All of them. They hugged us. And they kissed us. I'd never felt so much love as when I went to Russia in the year 1991. Then went back in 1992. The church I was preaching in had happened in January 1992. In the midst of winter, it was so cold. What are my experiences? What can I tell you? I was preaching in the Palace of Culture, just down the road from the Kremlin. I was 30 years younger. I had more whim and wigger, as a friend of mine used to say from Canada. Whim and wigger. Vim and vigor. The meetings would start at 10 o'clock in the morning. And they would continue virtually without a break until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And I'd be given a little pause and they'd give me some food and something to drink to keep me going. How can I describe those days? It was unlike anything I'd ever seen in America, unlike anything I'd seen in Australia, unlike anything I'd seen anywhere. The people were so hungry for God. I can remember I was preaching away and my translator was by my side. And then all of a sudden I discovered, uh, realized rather, that I was preaching by myself. There was no translator. And then I looked at my translator, Igor Pospekin. Igor was crying. He couldn't preach. He couldn't translate. Then I looked at this great audience. They were crying. They were weeping. Because history was happening. The word of God was being preached in what was still the Soviet Union, in the bastion of communism. 
and people were hearing the truths of the Bible. They were hearing the truth that Christ loves us, Christ died for us. Once again, my friend, I had this experience, so much love, so much love. Now, what I'm going to say now, you need to have grace to understand it. Up the back of the auditorium, there was a captain with, with his soldiers. This is in Russia, 1991. I'd come from America from a very bad experience in Los Angeles. I needed a blessing. As I was preaching, as I made an appeal, the captain stood up. The soldiers stood up and they marched down the front and they came up and they stood on the stage behind me. Everybody's crying. Why? Because for the first time in their lives, these people were coming to understand the truth that there's a God in heaven and he loves us. That Christ died for them. This is what I would say to them over and over again. Christ died for you. God loves you. You are special. You are important. He sees you. Open your heart to him. How do I feel about what's going on over there? I feel a pain here that will not go away. The Carter Report is starting to raise money. We're working with a group, our group on the ground there. We want to help them. Should the Christian church be involved in politics in order to change society? Christians, as individuals, can do anything they'd like as long as it is permissible and lawful. But the Christian church ought to stay out of politics because the Christian church has got a higher calling. Now, we believe in freedom of speech, freedom of religion. We believe that the Christian church has been commissioned by God to do a certain task that the state cannot do. And I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to come over here to Matthew chapter 28 and verse, let me see, verse 18 and 19. Here it is. Then Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What should the Christian church do? The Christian church has been commanded by God and commissioned by God to go and to preach the gospel of Christ. We've never been commissioned to go and to act as lobbyists in the halls of Washington, D.C. We are called to preach the gospel. And 
The text says all power. God has given to us all power. I tell you, it is the power, it is the mighty power of the Spirit of God. When I was down in El Salvador, when we were having these absolutely marvelous, Holy Spirit anointed meetings, Pastor Pacheco, who was one of the leaders of the church there, a great friend of mine and a man of God. He was out visiting. He was accosted by a group of gangs, gang leaders. That part of the world can be very, very, very dangerous. But he pulled out his Bible. He took out his Bible. As soon as he took out his Bible, the gang leader said, Pastor, (laughs) he said, we got lots of guns here today. But he said, We are outgunned. You've got more power than we have. I want you to know, my friend, we have the power of Almighty God. And I've got a a desire in my soul. I just wish that I could go back to Russia. I wish I could go back to Ukraine, where we've seen hundreds of thousands of people turn to God. I want to keep on preaching this gospel until I die. So help me, God. What is the most potent power for peace in today's world? The most potent power for peace in today's world is this gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you why, and this is important. I'm going to read you a text here in Romans chapter 10. I don't apologize that I read the Bible a lot. One of the big weaknesses in the Christian church today is that we've got a a lot of religious hype and a lot of talk. Sometimes it's just like a, a special class in salesmanship. But we don't quote the Bible enough. The power, my friend, is not found in the preacher. It is found in the word. Now let me read you this text. Romans 10, 12 to 15. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. My friend, The preaching of the gospel brings peace. What the world needs more is the preaching and the living of the gospel of Christ. Can I quote you another text? So I'm saying not politics, but Christ. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7. I sort of love this text. Isaiah chapter 9. 
and verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, wait for it, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, my friend. The kingdom of glory is still to come. The kingdom of glory is coming. Christ is coming. He's bringing with him the kingdom of glory. But the Bible teaches that the kingdom of grace has already invaded humanity. And the kingdom of grace is here. And where the kingdom of grace is preached, with the power of the Holy Spirit. There you have love and joy and peace. What does America need? What does Australia need? What does Russia need? What does Ukraine need? What does the world need? The Prince of Peace. When will we ever learn Christ has the solution to every human problem. I tell you, my friend, this is the word of the Lord. I've got some amazing information to share with you. When I come back, we're talking today about the great crisis in Ukraine and Russia. Stay with us. Please stay with us. God bless each one of you. We can all pray that sometime in our lifetime that God's peace will shine throughout the world. Until that day, we urgently need to help the Ukrainian children The Carter Report team has been to the Ukraine on many of its evangelistic missions. We all love the people of the Ukraine for their openness to the Word of God. Mrs. Carter and the Carter Report team have visited the orphanages in the Ukraine, sharing the gospel and giving out Bibles and medicine. They've sat and prayed with the children and the staff that care for them. Please send your support, prayers, and love for the children. They need our help now. You can send your gift for any amount to the address on the screen or call the number. Also, you can donate through the Carter Report website. Thank you for your kindness to the Ukrainian children. For a copy of today's program, 
please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.